What's going on, people? How is everybody doing? Good evening. How is everyone? What's going on, guys? Maybe did you get your Starbucks? No, I've got a glass of water today. This is too mainstream for you. It's right? normal water, don't worry. It's not nothing special. <laughs> it's not ionized or sun kissed. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Mark, do you have your heel? Do, uh, do I have my heel? Yeah. <laughs> You know what's interesting? It's in the fridge and it's really cold. And I'd love to have it right here, but it's not it's here. Just, it's, like, it's just not here. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not here. I'm more interested in the JP225. Do you think we'll get a new high with that? Yeah, it, it looks like it. And that is why that that's why I think that the yen pairs have, have not really turned around yet. Yeah. Just because there's too much momentum here to then flow into currency at the minute. Well, you, you can kind of see this across the board on indices and equities, right? You can see the SPX. The US 30, mm. Dow Jones, they all look like they're about to do like one more high, so to speak, especially with like, look at the weekly right there. How yeah, it exactly. last like six weeks of damage-ish, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can see, I can't really annotate, but you know how we had kind of that low test and then before we had like these consolidated candles mm -hmm. and then we've broken back like to confirm it. And granted, there was a bit of uncertainty in the world around how the, uh, the, the United States federal government was going to respond to the end of the pandemic in that way. But mm -hmm. it kind of, in a way, gave it that certainty because because Jeremy Powell said they're, they're going to increase it by 0.25% per uh, per hike, unless they do an extreme hike, which, I mean, I think would be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uncalled for, but not what the market has priced in at this point in time, you know? Exactly. Exactly that. And you can see it on the S&P as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as you mentioned, it looks like it's... Uh... It's going to be doing that. Oh, also, so everybody joining the live, really, really great to, uh, great to see you all here. Uh, one of the questions we've been getting a lot, which is, uh, is trading about to get harder? Well, by the end of this episode with myself, Abdu and Ibi, that's going to be very, very clear for you. So stick around towards the end. And we're going to be discussing um, a, whole, a whole round of topics, really, and kind of keeping this open and raw. And feel free to share any questions. Send them in as well as we kind of go through. And we're going to give you our thoughts, especially as we kind of recap Q1 as well, which has gone by super, super fast. But yeah, we're just going to have having a overview of the markets over this week. Any trades for yourself, Abdu, this week? I didn't take anything this week, no. But I think everything was like kind of shaping up for kind of today. And I was like, please be next week more just because yeah. as of right now, like I guess you can kind of go back to holding trades over the weekend. But because the geopolitical events are still happening, there's still the part where I'm like, kind of still cautious about that because you never really know what might happen over the weekend and we've had some really bad gappings in the last four weeks exactly exactly that uh one of the favorites just for everybody for next week actually is aussie kiwi so aussie kiwi is in such a valuable area i think we're gonna get a lovely trade on this considering the yens are moving and moving and moving and then we're waiting for those positions to either be neutral enough to then get long on them or look for those turnarounds, which can happen quite fast. I think Aussie, Aussie Kiwi gives a nice variation, not being linked to that as much. This well, especially, could, uh... especially because they're both like risk on currency. So exactly. they're battling one another. So it's like, in a way, it's kind of neutral in that point of view where mm -hmm. it's like uh, disconnected. Yeah, that's why I like it. I like that a lot. Um, but right, so we've got, uh, quite a few people in the chat now welcome welcome any questions feel free to send them in so we're going to be going back and forth we've got some uh, great people in here as well what's going on nick uh, connor how are we melando what's going on right so let's uh, let's get into the q a this is a this is a bit of a different kind of inside the mind podcast if you like so we're going to go through uh, a few kind of questions as to what we're seeing here q1 has been super interesting because january started uh, really really fast Right. It was it was incredible in terms of growth trades, 
February and March, a little bit slower. Of course, there's always opportunity. It doesn't mean that you can't bank those returns, but trades in which that you'd normally wait for, some some of them are taking a little bit longer. So it's normal uh, throughout. The reality is I was doing a, a deep ASR as we've got closer and closer towards this. But even so, still missed some positions, right? And those positions that were missed would have amounted to, I'd say probably about 4 or 5%, nothing like groundbreaking. However, sometimes that's the difference. And then would you look at your month as a slow month? You would just look at it's just a slightly lower month versus slow. So it's just interesting how even during that period, there were still lots of trades to be able to take. Uh, how have you guys found it? What about yourself? If we will start with yourself. Yeah, it's been a it's been a very good quarter actually. Um, I've not yet tallied up my uh, my P and L for the entire quarter, uh, but I know it's, it's somewhere pretty high up. February was a little bit slower a month, but mm-hmm. January and, and this month have been pretty decent. Um, Aussie Kiwi, funnily enough, we we're going through it as a pair I didn't trade for almost two years, uh, more because of emotional reasons I would say. But I never used to perform well on it because I just mm-hmm. didn't hardly trade back then. Uh, my skill wasn't there, so I'd always connotated it towards being a a bad pair to trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my pretty much all my trades this month have been Aussie Kiwi. Um, there's been a few on other pairs, but uh, I think there's been five trades in total, so two losses this week in Aussie Kiwi. But before that, there were three winners that banked thirteen or fourteen percent on that pair. Nice. Um, so I've just absolutely rinsed the pair. So I, I, I enjoy the fact that the market continuously shows you. Uh, it just gets straight to it. There's no beating around the bush with it, mm-hmm. right? Market don't lie to you and it exposes uh, everything to you there and then. So, yeah, it's been a very good month for myself. Nice. Well, I'm glad I talked you into the pair. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. It, it has it has been an interesting quarter and one that's definitely set the tone uh, for the rest of the year, regardless of, of sequence. So it doesn't really change. I don't really see uh, January, February, March. And I think people are always taking the last month as to where their momentum is and they're forgetting about how well things have played out throughout the whole quarter as well abdi what's your kind of thoughts on that your quarter as a whole if you was to summarize that in a in a kind of a short sense how do you say yeah that? I, I mean I, I don't usually tend to pay too too much attention i just look at it from like a three like every three months just as a review of myself to how i performed now obviously this one's a bit interesting for me because i had a really strong january and then i kind of took february off just because of the events that happened in my family so mm-hmm. I do actually have quite a bit of missed positions, but it was just, I was like away from trading, so to speak for a bit. So it is one of those things that like life happens, right? And and you can kind of look back at something and realize, oh, I could have caught this and could have caught that. But if you weren't in the headspace for it because other things were happening, um, it, it just became one of those, like, I, I don't punish myself for stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's I guess it's a bit of a, um, I don't say a risky game because to a degree you can forgive yourself for anything. But when it's beyond your normal quarter, so to speak, it just becomes on that. Now, obviously, with the geopolitical events, there was actually like a tad degree of more caution as well to employ. So personally speaking, I kind of did trend a bit more to the like risk averse for a small period of time, just due to emotional reasons with my family, as well mm-hmm. as now adding in the geopolitical events. Um, so that kind of slowed down my quarter a bit. But honestly, now it seems to be that we're on, in better places all around the board. So it's, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think... It's just you have the next month, you know, you come back at it and you attack it once more. Exactly that. And speaking of emotion, right, we're, we're speaking about his trading going to get harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now, uh, psychologically, uh, people are, are experiencing much more emotional damage than what they were used to. And I was, I was speaking about this with uh, both of you as well and thinking about this from a long period of time of how much has changed in, in the industry over even just a two-year period, just over the last couple of years, let alone the last 10 12, 14, 15, 20 years is changing all the time. 
and having access to money very quickly, I think is creating more psychological issues uh, there. So I'd like to go into that. What's your kind of thoughts on that right now from what you've seen? Both of you are coaching people more on a one-to-one basis as well. Uh, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously the more experience I gain as a trader as well, right? And I'm sure it's the same for both of you as well. Um, you tend to realize common patterns in people and traders, right? And you tend to realize, first of all, we're all human. So humans have patterns, right? I think we create this separation when we say we are a trader. Um, at the end of the day, we're human. So we operate based off of emotion in the end. Um, and the fact that you realize is that people can have their technicals laid out, okay? Which is the easiest part. Yeah, they might be lacking in certain areas, but it's the easiest fix, technicals, in my opinion, uh, from what I've seen. Um, they've got the entry and exit rules laid out. Uh, but in the end, it comes down to to complete the entire circuit is their, is their mind in the right state right mm. and what i've noticed is that a lot of people have everything laid out especially on coaching calls the trading plans are a class and um, they know the system very well they know they've got an edge there uh, but they've got no psychological edge right because they get sucked into this vortex of fear right mm. and in my opinion why it's getting harder is because there's more accessibility as you mentioned and um essentially accessing capital and accessing exposure is a lot more easier now because of social media, which I think is a very, it has its advantages, but I do think people should spend time away from it as well, because when you're not doing well, what you'll naturally do is you'll naturally peek into other people's lives, other traders that might not be in the same space as you somewhere else. And you think they're taking a trade. Surely I'm doing something wrong. That's what your left brain tells you logically. Um, but what we don't realize is with experience, you'll find that a year down the line, you'll be in a position where you're winning. And then those very people will be looking at your life and thinking the same thing. So it's a cycle mm-hmm. that doesn't stop. And it's very hard to see through that cycle when we're not thinking critically and independently for ourselves, um, which is a common trait that I find that successful traders have is they, they think critically, right? They critically assess the situation, not only in trading, but in their own life and towards themselves. So why, why that's my sort of summary on why I think it's getting harder for people uh, because of the ease of accessibility. Of course, back then, four or five years ago, proprietary firms weren't really as much of a popular thing as they are now. Um, now, of course, the issue which has been resolved is that there's traders with a tremendous amount of skills but they didn't have the capital or they didn't know anybody that had capital. So that was their downfall. Now, funding has solved that, but it's also created a, a problem with a solution next to it, yeah? So it's created a solution, but there's a problem aside of that now is that um, it's like the whole cigarette packet thing. We can see on, on cigarette packets, it did tell people exactly how harmful it is. Brokers mm. tell you how many people fail, but you still willingly smoke a cigarette or you still willingly sign up to a broker knowing the risks. People know that they're not ready to take on a funded account and they do it. And I think this is now exposing the desperation of the entire industry and the true desperation and lack of emotional maturity, I would say, of individuals coming into this space. That's actually a really interesting point you said when you brought up the actually the, the cigarettes part. And I kind of have a bit of a question for you on that, Ivy. Um, is it because, so when someone smokes a cigarette, despite seeing the picture of the person with lung cancer and stuff and the deformed face and all that, and they still do it, are they still smoking because they've accepted the risk? Or is it because they think they're going to be the anomaly? And the reason I ask this, right, is if I, like almost everyone in the room and almost any up and coming trader I ever speak to will uh, knows this is that 95% of traders will fail. So if you know that and you think it doesn't apply to you, the question is why, right? Like that that's the part that I've kind of thought about a bit more around people. I was like, why do you not apply to this? Or rather even ask the question of why does this statistic actually exist, mm-hmm. right? Because even myself naively, and if I'm being like fully honest, once upon a time, I was like, oh yeah, everyone's stupid, right? Like that was just my impulsive rationale. 
when you actually think about it, it's like, what's the chances of 95% of people just being stupid, right? Like, it's like, come on, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the part where I think there's a there's a gravity not understanding how actually, because if we actually take this back, like really, really back, right? Technical analysis now in terms of price action is available on TradingView. You can load it up within five seconds. If you go back in the 1980s, 1990s, you have to either call someone, draw it, you have to do all these things they didn't have to, right? Then fast forward to early 2000s, you basically only could have to get a, a Bloomberg terminal, which I believe costs, what, 10K a year or is it 25? Anyway, mm-hmm. some way bigger price, right? Even five years ago, it was eSignal, which was like 200 a month, I believe. So I remember. Like, yeah, right? So even for eSignal, which was one of the like revolutionary backtesting softwares, $200 a month is not cheap for your average person who's just about to learn something, right? So you have that. now, And then now we, we've introduced funding, right? Which is a very weird mixture of end game and start game because people like look four or five years ago the only way you had big capital once you already had it was you got an outside investment you can't just convince someone to give you a hundred thousand dollars you have to have like broker statements long-term consistency you have to be credible you have to all these things so you actually getting that money was was earned in a way i can i can buy an ftmo right now and like take a like a yolo trade and pass it right so it, it becomes the question of what, what happens when you actually do. And that's the part where it's really interesting now because you're seeing people get this really weird half form of success, right? And kind of going back to the cigarette example of I'm what I'm noticing a lot of people is people are not like giving credit to experience whatsoever. It's so undermined where you can you can come into trading within three months and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to trade high six figures, seven figures. And it's like who are you? You know what I mean, though? Like, there's a degree of like, why are you capable and why has everyone else been so bad for so long? And yeah. then they get into this loop because, yeah, you technically can pass because the way assessments are not set up, they're, they're not set up in the most rigorous way to actually vet you. It's just a numbers game, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Kind of curious both your thoughts on that. Well, I do th- I do agree when you said that people do think they're not they're, they're the anomaly, right? And why I say that is because I think we're we're avoiding as traders and as a collective that we, like I mentioned, we're humans and we are naturally fear-based driven machines, organisms. That's what we are, right? At our very core. For, I mean, ever since the dawn of man, really. Fear is not really a bad thing per se because it's helped us um, remain and contain our existence. Otherwise, without it, we'd be, we'd be dead, right? When you're driving on the road and you see a car coming away, you see a threat, you're going to avoid that, right? Fear is a good thing. But the issue is that people think that that's going to work for them in the environment of trading now. And so going back to the example of the anomaly, right? It's trying to either, we're trying to either attack or avoid fight, flight. We're trying to attack or avoid a situation. And most people are trying to avoid a situation, which is that that surely is not going to be me. They mitigate that, right? They're, they're pushing fear aside. They're pushing everything aside. They're suppressing emotions until eventually, as you mentioned, people undermine experience that it comes to a point where it comes back to bite them so hard that only very few people are going to have aptitude to be able to see all this time what I've been dismissing, all this time what I've been suppressing is now right in front of me. Am I going to fix this, yes or no? You know, so yes, someone will be sat there and thinking, let me try a funding assessment. Maybe I might pass. I might not be ready, but what if that hope is there? Because your brain demands certainty. It's a survival instinct that we have as human beings. And so it'll latch onto that, it'll fuse onto that. And this is why so many people fail, right? In my opinion, as good as funding is, it's also very destructive as well, Right. Not only to not talk, talk about financially, I'm talking about mentally and psychologically, because you might be thinking that you're doing the right thing. That's just that one extra little thing that you need to chase, something out there, right? Something that you need to learn about the market or something you need to learn about price action or something else. And it might might be, you never know. 
Most of the case it's not. Most of the time you're just repeating the same psychological loops again and again because you've dismissed the most important things because you think you're going to be the anomaly, etc. And then eventually they come out to bite you. Mark, from like your own experience, because you mentioned obviously you've not actually traded a funded account rightfully, so you've gone through the investment approach. Now, how, from the best way you can describe it, does that differentiate psychologically, even though you know you've not tried the funded approach? What's your sort of experience on that? Uh, you take it more seriously straight away. Mm-hmm. It, you you take it more seriously. It feels like it's um, work can only kind of come from experience as to uh, how easily accessible funded accounts are. It's almost like a game. Like a funded account is almost like a, a game because it feeds into that. Well, it's exciting, isn't it? Because you can log in. You don't really have to be vetted as what Abdi was talking about. And if you fluke a few trades, you've got it, you've done it. And then you feel like you're on top of the world where when you have to, uh, present like a folder like you you have a sit down meeting like this is this is my risk tolerance and they can actually see your graph they can see your habits just in the numbers itself they can see your sequence of wins and losses they can see your position sizing as that how what kind of trader you are you can kind of gauge that really quickly so it was more professional in that sense but at the same time i wasn't really aware of any uh firms that i'm sure there might have actually been some uh, wasn't as advertised as to what they were on social media now, but there probably was some at the time. And if they were available, I probably would have gone for them as well. I would have, I would have tried to add both. So I don't see it as a negative thing. I think what helped me is that I was, uh, I went through uh, the the private investment first, so it gave me more emotional uh, maturity. Yeah. So that's why, and I, and I feel like you you earn it more because it's it's more credible 100% straight away mm-hmm. right because there are people that are trading 400 400k right now that shouldn't be trading 400k and exactly. statistically they won't be trading 400k in probably a couple of weeks so yeah. we already know that part so that's why it definitely um is more credible in that sense but it's the mentality behind it mm-hmm. and I, and i think that the way it's structured right now this is why we create the funding program and with the same type of thing in mind because if mm-hmm. we was to just let anyone, right, you've come into Falcon day one and I want to apply for funding. No, the, the answer is no. You're not ready. You won't be accepted because that would be so reckless of me, the team. Imagine you're coaching someone and someone says, I've been doing this for a month. Um, I'm going to do a funded account. You're going to say no. Why would you want them to just burn their money away? Like you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the whole part of... Uh, of, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because unconsciously me bringing in that difficult part of why it was so hard just to get to my first investment in the first place, creating much more discipline with our funding assessment for that exact reason. Because if it takes longer and it requires more patience and discipline, there's a much higher chance of you keeping it, which statistically is playing out well for us as well, which yeah. is, that's what I love about it. Otherwise, if we go by the current statistics in the market, people lose their accounts. It's, what is Abdu... Um, is it three weeks or two weeks after biggest payout? Something I think it's like three that. weeks for the biggest one, yeah. Yeah, so that psychologically already shows you why even traders that win still can't win. They can only win in the short term. And it's not 90%, it's not 99, it's 100. Well, I, I think, like, just kind of interject there because you said, like, we, we, we vet this in the in the Falcon, like, funding program, right? And there's, like, as you were saying in coaching calls, I've sure I've had students who are, like, saying, hey, should I take an assessment? And I, I flat out said no to them, which... It's an, I don't want to say it's annoying to say because it's like to a degree I feel like I'm shattering their dreams at this point mm-hmm. in time. But it's like I can see that they're not at that point where they're at a probabilistic point. They're at more of you're not taking enough of an edge. So your trades are likely not going to play out. And, and that's the really scary part because 
how much I think people undervalue how much luck actually plays in their own individual journey, especially when you play with the numbers, right? Where you can kind of see someone like winning four trades in a row by luck is not hard. You can win four things in a row, right? And then, <laughs> um, so that that's the part where luck is really scary and that lucky, you know, and, yeah. and you can and you you kind of ask yourself, it's like, hey, did I fluke here? So when maybe was saying it's like, yeah, you could just be funded now. But what's the next step, right? Like funding is supposed to quote unquote change your life. So when it like, how does it change your life? It's the sustainability, the consistency, the growth. But if you fluked it, you're just you're playing this like time game where you're gonna give it back and more, and, and it's not like you can't do damage in the meantime. And then so what happens is people approach it from a very lottery effect type mentality where you're like, I yeah. just need to get the funding account. And it's like, yeah, okay, you got the funding account, and now what? If you don't have consistency, you don't have profitability, you're hoping to get like one more lottery of making like, let's say a 20% month, get that withdrawal. And then that'll buy you like two, three years of money to slowly blow through, hopefully slowly. Exactly. Right? But the yeah. whole thing is like tied together to come back. And that that's the part that's like really scary. And I remember I had this shift in mentality once upon a time where I was like, I remember like uh, this was a bit more younger and I was a bit more victimish. And I was like, man, I really want to be lucky. Mm -hmm. And then one day I woke up, I was like, dude, I do not want luck. You know what I mean? I was like, imagine you actually got to where you are through luck because with dude we know this in casinos where someone can take like 600k off a casino and they're like yeah i'm a god and it's like no you just got lucky you know and and, and that's why things like the doubling up method which conventionally sounds smart but then you risk you, you realize the nominal like risk so to speak becomes so like increased to only make back your original bet it doesn't work and one day you'll hit that streak and lose it all one shot right so it became one of those perspectives actually realizing why it is we do what we do vetting those people because we don't want them to get unfunded and i don't think anyone that uh, mark you can correct me if i'm wrong i believe everyone that has passed this system has not been unfunded as of right now right yeah that's correct yeah. yeah so it's like which is insane because we have like that heavy criteria we don't force the um the start like and again, I understand that to most business on me to make complete sense. But then they, when someone needs to hit a percentage in a certain month, it could just be a bad month. Like if you're actually a skilled trader and then yeah. that month didn't meet with you and then you just lose. Dude, funding assessments are not cheap, right? If you're dropping, like, let's say you're trying to buy, a, I think, a 100, 200K one, it's like 1,300, I believe. To a lot of people, 1,300 is not something they can ju just drop. I believe in North America, at the age of 30, the average net worth is 1K. Mm. So if your net worth, right, all your assets and liabilities come out to 1K, that literally tells you you have one assessment before your definition broke. How I'm much trust does that actually give you? Right? Yeah, this is this is really like to go full on them. So you have one shot, one opportunity, right? But it's like, that's not what it's supposed to be. I guess in a, in a, in a Hollywood perspective, fantastic. I'd watch that movie. Mm -hmm. From a mentality and psychology point of view, that's horrible. You're going you're gonna, to like, every trade is going to have so much more importance that it's going to completely change. And, and and this and this is why uh to going back to the original question is trading going to get harder you yep. think it's going to get harder just from listening to what we've spoken about already what, what really sticks out is the fact that trading is going to be as hard as you make it so you can listen to the advice you can listen to the things that we spoke about only you like no one can stop you on the other end of the screen going for three funding assessments even though you're one month into trading or even six months but you still don't know what you're doing but you just feel like well let me just give it a go and it's kind of that dopamine hit of you just want to do it for the sake of doing it just to test where you are no one can stop that because we don't have control over you however 
trading is going to be as hard as you make it. You have to be the responsible individual to either be around people that can look over your shoulder and actually give you some advice, credible advice to say you're actually very close or you're miles off. What you need to do is just keep plugging away, focus on what you need to do, go back through certain modules. However you're learning, whatever system you're learning, you still need to keep learning and growing to get to the next levels of your trading. You could be 50% of the way there, right? Who knows? But the reality is, I think trading is is going to get harder from an accessibility point of view, that it's getting easier and easier and easier for money to be in the wrong hands. Because that is, as you mentioned, right, the end game. The end game is having the capital because the capital, you trade the percentage, you change your life. That is that is how it goes. This is it. I, I, just straight up, right, trading personally has been the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. And I'm sure many people can say the same. We've had people even in the community that are, some, some people are CEOs or were, um, some people reached very high positions in their job, they're successful people outside of trading, but still admittingly say that trading is the hardest thing they've ever done. And, and why is that? Is because we're avoiding the elephant in the room our entire life, right? Which is our mind, our brain. Many people don't go through life acknowledging what's going on inside of them, right? This is why they, they have no real self-discipline. They have no real self, uh, self-mastery, so to speak, which is a lifelong process, in my opinion. Now, because of that, because of the avoidance of that, people don't actually, they lack skills, they lack life skills. I'm sure you've seen this more so, Mark, as well. Not only financially, but even decision-making skills, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an idea as an example. Um, anybody can go and research this on just Google, just type in Eric Erickson. Eric is with a K, uh, E-R-I-K. Uh, it's called Stages of Psychosocial Development. Anybody can look into this. And... If you do look into it, look into how you can relate to any one of them. Another theory was, and this will relate to what we're talking about directly, that if none of these stages were complete successfully or one of them wasn't, then you'll develop what they call an unhealthy personality, which is one that can't actually resolve problems correctly, mm. but surely. And they will go through life with trust issues, anxiety issues. Um, you create problems out of solutions that are given to you. But a healthy personally can actually find problems and create solutions out of them. That's the difference there, right? Now, you look at the majority of the retail industry here, right? You'll be presented with solutions, but you'll create problems out of it because you listen to too many different people, mm-hmm. right? And that's the problem with social media is it gives you too many voices to listen to and not many people have the aptitude to be able to decipher between who to listen to versus who not to listen to. And I'll say it straight. You're either made for trading or you're not. That's just a fact, right? Everybody's got the capacity and capability to trade but very few will actually go the length to make it happen, right? And everybody's struggles or experiences is going to be entirely different. And when you read into your psychosocial development stages as well, it'll give you an insight into why everybody is actually different, how you develop psychologically based on your social circumstance. And everybody's been brought up a different way. So- I, think that, I think that's why it'd be, which is uh, why it's so important to have the framework of mindset and why we, we go on about it every single week. And, mm-hmm. and tackle every area that positive. This is why we created Rewired in the first place, right? Because of how important that is. Abdu said something earlier, which is interesting, right? About the statistic. Why is the statistic? Why do 95% of the people lose and they still sign up to brokers? Why do they do that? I think that the statistics are all so skewed. The same way um, that Abdu fam- uh, famously said, if you uh, sign up to TradingView, you call yourself a trader, right? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it, it's that same logic all the way through that, when you when you when you think about uh, a trader right as to who is actually a trader and who's a gambler 
mm-hmm. and the access that they have to uh, funding and all these things, why is the statistic the way that it is? Because people just lose money. They never work on themselves. So I don't actually think that the statistic is a fair assessment as to as, as to what it actually should be. I would uh, we no one would have the data right because you wouldn't be able to get it. But imagine the people that have actually worked on their mindset, really uh, persevered, got the right education, listening to the right type of people, have a system, whatever strategy it is that is a proven system that works, and then given it time. What percentage of those people failed? That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested about the person who tried to flip their account or put like $500 in and then tried to make that into a thousand and actually did, but then lost the thousand like a week later. That's not a trader. That's a, that's a gambler. That's, they shouldn't even be in that category, yet they are. Well, so look at you know, there's thousands of them. Of course, and you're bringing up such a solid point because there's there's no uh, there's no barrier to entry anymore. There never was, to be honest. But like like you, again, you need social security, five hundred bucks. You have your broker up done. You can trade. Exactly. Welcome to the financial markets, right? So you you look at everything, right? And and you kind of think about this for two seconds. Where I think what made me take trading a bit more seriously, like at a younger age. Mm-hmm. was I actually asked myself, what is I'm trying to accomplish out of this? And, and kind of, again, from that ego point of view. So it's like, you, you look at a doctor, how, how do you become a doctor? You physically need a medical license. You can't just sit and read books all day long and walk on you're like, actually, yeah, I'm a doctor now too. Could you have the knowledge? Sure, but you physically can't practice it until you get there. So you have to go through medical school, same thing for law school and all these other things, right? Even if I want to be a football player, I can't just pick up a ball today. Like, okay, do I like to play football as a hobby casually? Sure. Do I think I'm in the same leagues as like Muhammad Salah? No, I don't. Right. And then, so if I walk up to Muhammad Salah and I'm like, I'm also a football player. Is he now looking at me? Like I'm telling him like, yeah, man, I play at the same league as you, or he's just acknowledging that I've kicked the ball in my life before. Right. So that's this whole trading view analogy of anyone who's loaded trading views a trader. Now I was like, dude, if you're not considering all the things that you have to consider before you execute a trade, let alone time and experience, and all those things. And we see this all the time, right? Where people will tell you something like, what I trade on $100, same way you'll trade at a billion dollars. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe in a, in a really sadistic way where you're like, yes, the, the minutia of actions mm-hmm. is the same way. But beyond it, no, it's a completely different ballgame. Everything else you're considering and taking into account and, and all those things, right? So yeah. it becomes one of those where I, I kind of asked myself, I was like, can I actually call myself a trader? Do I have the credibility to do so? And that's why traditional investing, I, like, which I went down that route. I did both of them, did both funding and investor, but I did investor first. And, and it was actually really good because it held me to the highest level of accountability. Exactly. Right? It was actually seeing it from the point of view of like, you can fail a funding assessment, you're back at it again tomorrow. But if you get rejected from an investor in real life, it's probably your last time. Mm-hmm. Like that person, you'd have to find someone else, but balance of probability, right? And so, your confidence as well. I can only imagine course, what your right? confidence would be like. Yeah, someone's like, sorry, bro, you're not good enough. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not good enough. Like, what, what does that mean? Right. And and especially in networking and stuff where people tend to know each other of certain net worths and stuff, you really do have to approach it of I can't get a no right now. And you exactly. can't leave it up to luck, right? Whereas I've seen this a lot across like Instagram. Someone's like, I'm just gonna try it on assessment. I was like, wow, that that that's how low you think of it. Mm-hmm. Because that would be the equivalent of me. Like, I'll just play a game in Champions League, see how it goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, that's not gonna happen. I'm gonna walk on the field and I'm gonna get absolutely molested, right? Like, and I'll be a laughing stock and I'll never play football ever again in my life. So if 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 funding and trading had the same perspective in that way, if it was that punishing, a lot less people would be more careful before they just recklessly got into it. 
but it's the quickest way to buy the dream, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. flip an account and it works because again, nominal odds, like you can win 10 in a row. It's not common, but it's also not unheard of. Exactly. Right? And that's the difference is people think small edge means impossible. Impossible mm -hmm. is like you winning a hundred in a row. That is extremely, extremely unlikely. Someone winning 12 in a row, if I saw that today, I'd be like, wow, that's lucky. But I'm also mm -hmm. not going to be like, dude, you should buy all the lottery tickets you see because you're that lucky. It's like, it's if you flip a coin all day today, you're mm -hmm. going to get 12 in a row at some point. So that's kind of my point on that. But even this relates to like, we were talking about it, like like circle, right? Like let, let's put investor aside for a second. Like even people that you're surrounded by, whatever their financial beliefs are, are going to stem off into your life. And so you do scale up today and you get given a lot of money. Um, but now your financial beliefs and your financial literacy is different because the people around you have scaled up the wrong way as well. And it's just a flock of the blind leading the blind and you're all going to bottle your life at the same time. And uh, someone commented that they face an issue that they get nervous to take trades when they've secured around 2% profit. And this relates hand in hand because um, a lot of traders get to a point where they, they're not really, they don't really have struggle dealing with losses anymore. They have struggle dealing with winners because, and this relates to your self-image correction as well, which is again, spoken about in Rewired plenty of times over and a lot of detail actually is one of my favorite modules um, because it really brings a light to people and it takes the veil off and you get to see yourself in the mirror for what you really are mm -hmm. yeah and um, what happens is this image people have around winning is completely skewed up what people think is their why or their driving factor might be their family whatever it might be that comes up and presents itself as a distraction when you start winning you're up two three four five whatever percent you're up the moment you start winning that euphoria takes over that image kicks in and it's what they call in psychology as well, it's called inattentional blindness, um, which is not actually an eye deficit, an eyesight deficit, so to speak, is when you can actually see something happening in front of you, but you won't acknowledge it. And many traders have had this, where they see today, they take a trade today and then the next week they look back and think, what the hell was I doing? That wasn't me. That's, you, you become a victim of that eventually, of what I just mentioned. And so what happens is people need to actually reframe and restructure the image that they see. And a lot of people's image is that, we want to fit into society. Everybody has that in them, some way, shape or form. They want to be able to fit in. No one usually naturally likes to be an outcast, right? Even biologically, we don't like to be outcasts as human beings. Um, and so what happens is they start winning and all these images come into their mind and it distracts them from what they're actually doing. It distracts them from making proper decisions. Um, and now you compile that with a circle of traders who are all on the same boat as each other, right? Misery, love company, misery loves company, as we know. They all have the same beliefs. They all agree with each other. They've all got the same viewpoints on life and everything's pretty much the same, right? What someone might view as synchronicity is actually a very destructive circle that they've got there as traders. And why I'm mentioning this is because 99% of people in the situation, I mean, let's just say, for example, there's 100 people here as an idea. Mm -hmm. right? I don't know how many there actually is. Really and truly, there's probably going to be about five or 10 of you that are going to become hyper successful statistically in terms of trading, right? Only because you'd have taken into account one thing is self-honesty. You'll have assessed yourself in every single area of your life, your circle, people you're around, what are their financial beliefs like? You've got to have people that are ahead of you in your circle. It's just a must. But people avoid that. Why? Because they want to be able to do things themselves nowadays. They want to be the knight in shining armor, right? Mm -hmm. All this kind of thing, which you see plenty of times over, not just in trading, but in other industries as well. And they can actually look at themselves in the mirror with an honest uh, outlook. I think I'm really giving it everything. Right. And most people aren't. They just think they are. Right. So there's so many things trading takes into consideration. Like I said, it's, it, it just cuts straight to it. You know? but this, this, this is why I love doing what we do for that for that okay. reason. The amount of people that I'm, I'm sure you've both spoken to one to one in the community, out the community that 
write themselves off, right? Again, you go back to image. They've got an image of who they are because they're a product of whoever they've surrounded themselves with. You reminded me of a story that someone said to me maybe like five, six years ago. I just remembered it so vividly that someone was talking about buying a house and he said, uh, there was both having a conversation. I was kind of in the conversation as well. And then he commented to the other person to said, well, yeah, it's good. Just, um, just get on the ladder. It was like, well, you're just on the property ladder, aren't you? And then he kind of said it just, but I could tell he didn't even know what he was saying. He was just saying what he was saying because he just heard someone else say, it's good to be on the property ladder. I was thinking, but, but why? What, why do you think that? What error is it in? What, what if you could use that money to make money? Why is it good to be on the property ladder? What if it was good in his specific scenario to actually not be on the property ladder and to rent and then to use that money to make money? You know, you understand is that people just are, are very, not, not so much brainwashed. It's, I would say that's the more extreme of it. They are just a walking, talking version of just whatever they have been surrounded by. And what I love about it, and it's not to say that, right, we have all the answers, right? But we do have some answers, very good answers, because we've achieved what you want to achieve. And I think that a lot of people just need a little bit of guidance and they've written themselves off and it's the best feeling in the world to, to tackle that statistic. It's actually one of Falcon's missions points to actually tackle that statistic of 90, 90, 90, which I think is much less than that anyway, as I alluded to earlier. But we're able to work with those individuals that might just be doing a very, very normal job right now, but they're committed. They, they invest in their education. They give it their all. When you give them a task to do, they actually go and do it. And you see their progression. You spend more time with them. Right? They, they show up every single week. They go to every webinar possible. They're resourceful with all of their resources. And they understand where they're going. That is the best feeling in the world to take someone who is just what quote unquote a normal person that are able to see through all of the noise and then make it happen. And then as the years compound, they achieve all of their wildest goals. Maybe not in the time frame that they originally thought. However, it's there. It's right there. That that is the best feeling because you you know them and you get to see their growth. You get to see their journey. You get to see, as you said, Debbie. Um, the image of what they had then and you see that image change what a beautiful thing that is to see when someone right out there right now with no guidance is working stacking shelves and has a really poor image of themselves low self-esteem that could change with like a few set resources of repetition for 90 days they can literally become a different person and that to me is is always astonishing because i remember what it was like before that happened to me and it's like wow how scary that is if you're still that version of you how much more you could achieve. And don't just take our word for it. Look at the fund. Straight um, straight up. Yeah, we've got less people compared to other proprietary firms out there. So, um, But the fact of the matter is it's the lowest fail rate in the industry and there's a reason for that. Right? Like there's proof in numbers. So mm-hmm. like people have not only, we've not had one person scale up and give it back again, which is a really, really big statistic to look at because people think the moment they scaled up, that's it, they succeeded. And then boom, they wipe it out straight away. People that's even the illusion. Up. Because everyone yeah. wants to tell you about the 400k account. No one wants right. to tell you, um, I got it, I achieved it. You know, I done a post about it. You all congratulated me about it. But guess what? Two weeks later, I actually don't have that anymore. Who, who in their right mind would even feel? And it, I don't blame them for it. But that's just not a logical, emotional step that you would want to face. The last thing on earth you would want to be telling someone is that, oh yeah, by the way, this happened. Yeah. Because then it takes away from all that credibility that you just received, all that validation of thanks. So I get it. I understand. I'm not blaming them for it. But just yeah. understand, to everybody trading right now, get your head out of the clouds because that is what you're seeing. But you're not understanding what is actually necessary for you to grow. And I think yeah. that's where I kind of wanted to to wrap it up on just any kind of final questions there. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Obi? 
Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say just, just a quick, uh, like a, a final word from you from everybody. I can't remember who said this. Someone will be able to remind me in the comments, but uh, so I was watching a video recently. Um, I'd heard it before this, but it was about valuing, valuing your time and, and smart. Ah, so if anyone knows about Anton Creel is a really famous person in the finance industry, gives a really good perspective on this topic of smartphones, right? Mm -hmm. And technically, if we look at phones, and everybody's on one now, or most people are, um, everybody uses a smartphone nowadays. Um, but technically, you don't really need a phone other than for the fact of receiving or sending a call. Really, that's the purpose of a phone, right? Um, unless you run a social media business, it's different. For most people, all they need to do is send and receive a call or text messages, really and truly. It's just mm -hmm. a method of communication. Um, and so what he mentioned is if you value your time. And the interviewer didn't know. So give an example, if you made, let's say, if you're trading a million dollar account as an idea and you make 30% a quarter on average, you've made like 1200 million in the year, right? Mm. Um, you divide that down into days from my, from my memory, uh, it comes to like 3,700 a day, something like that. And then per hour, it's like $140 an hour. That's what your time is worth, right? Mm. Now, if you factor in three to four hours a day is going on your, on your phone, doing pointless things that you don't need to do, then technically it adds up to like 250K in the year. So what you're saying is it's costing you almost a quarter of a million dollars a year just to be on that mm -hmm. smartphone. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, obviously not literally costing you that much, but you get the point, right? Why I'm mentioning that as a final conclusive statement here is that a lot of us are so busy trying to trying to live in this in this mindset and this vortex of um, just looking good on the outside, right? Having this shield on the outside that we're doing well, right? And they're trying to protect ourselves from the world and, and you know, social media, this and that, whatever, trying to get approval of our followers, our likes and all these kind of things. The fact of the matter is these people aren't going to pay your bills, right? These people won't, probably won't be, be, be at your funeral. Let that sink in for a minute, right? That's really important to understand. People that we try to impress nowadays or that we think care about us could not care about you in the slightest. In fact, they would rather throw you under the bus than anything else. So my advice to everybody here is if you don't need to be on social media for like business-related purposes, like you run a company or whatever it might be, um, I don't know, like a clothing brand or how, what business you guys might have, but if you don't need to be on there, don't get yourself on there. Just stick, tunnel vision, listen to a very select few people that know what they're talking about and just keep the momentum and ball rolling in your own life. And you will really progress. I've got two friends that are in Falcon that are not on social media whatsoever. They've been trading the same amount of time, about three and a half years as each other. And um, they, they're doing phenomenally well, right? I'm not going to mention the names, of course, but they're doing absolutely amazing. And the commonality between them is that they just they were never infatuated in people's lives. They're not keeping up with no gossip in their trading space. Exactly. Like and gossip is a poison, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, so no, just you, do yourself a favor and just close your eyes and just get on with it. <laughs> you, you you hit it spot on, and I think that is really the tone for for Q two. Recalibrate and really assess whatever you've learned and even if the q1 has just gone by with a bit of a click of a finger because it has gone by pretty fast and you look back and think right i set all these things i wanted to do you probably had versions of you uh, of certain things you just wanted to accomplish and you might be sitting there thinking i'm just the same i've not actually really followed through you gotta ask why that is is it because things like that where you've started to uh, forget those emotions and those feelings and then you started to go back to default mode where you infatuate over other people's lives people are obsessed with it they become addicts to just follow other people's lives yet themselves sometimes the best thing you can do is just like write out a few things you're going to do that day and just do it and just be actually happy and proud that you've done what you said you were going to do and it will pay you dividends in the future i'd do any kind of uh, words for q2 yeah New traders experienced traders just overall plan of action for q2 
I think overall, because you guys said some very like awesome points, I think to kind of just wrap it up in that point of view is to kind of also remove expectations, which I think is the part of social media, which what it does, right? It turbocharges where you're supposed to be, so to speak. Everyone around you is funded. Everyone around you is making big withdrawals. Everyone around you is leveling up. Mm. Granted, most of them are not real, right? But you, you don't see that. You kind of just see the part of where you want to be. And then, and then in turn, you replicate that into your own journey by either increasing risk or not being as patient or all these other ways that, and, and on the back end of, of Ibi's point about like knowing your hourly wage, so to speak, right? Mm. And your worth, the higher your hourly worth is going to be, is going to be if you're more skilled and niche right? Like, like why is minimum wage the way minimum wage is? Because anyone can do that job. The, the barrier of entry is nothing. It's just a human, like a body, so to speak, right? So it's like, great, do that. But the more niche you get, like if you're going to have a thousand dollars an hour and more, it means you have to be really good at what you do, right? Like that, that's how those things happen. They don't just happen through luck and time. They, they're actually very specific. And, and that's why you see a lot of these like traders that have really made it. I'm talking like three decades, four decades of trading. They'll tell you like the first like seven years don't even really count, right? And that's the numbers they're talking about. And all of a sudden, people have kind of just ignored all that. They're like, yeah, that, that's that's nothing, right? It's not exactly. saying you can't have results before seven years. You most definitely can. But the amount, even myself, I'm in my sixth year now. And only as of like last year, I was like, oh, I don't say I made it. Mm-hmm. But last year's where I started to like really feel it. I was like, okay, no, I've, I've been around the block enough times, so to speak, seen enough. I played on the offense. I played on the defense. Whereas if you were just born into like a bull market we, we know it just create everyone's a genius in a bull market it's mm-hmm. really hard to lose right depending on the asset class and all that of course so that's kind of the perspective of removing expectation but simultaneously also working with urgency it's a bit paradoxical mm-hmm. but that's where i see the other half of people like you know what i can do this for 30 years like no you shouldn't be failing for 30 years and i'd be like i have my whole life right so it's like approach it from both ways of both like a high urgency but also at the same time of you don't really know when things are going to come, so to speak. But with stuff like trading, when you are on the other side of it, it really does come back full swing really quickly, right? As we see with like a very easy example, I guess it's kind of like crypto. If you look at Ethereum Classic right now, it undid four months of uh, six months of losses in about four days, mm-hmm. right? You're bleeding for six months, six months, six months, boom, four days, it's all undone. Trading is the same way. You can be giving mm-hmm. back, you can be losing, you can do this, scale up really slowly. All of a sudden you're trading seven figures. You have your first real big month at 20%, let's just say, boom, you've made 200K and you've never made any of that amount before, right? So it, it is psychologically something very deep, but it's something that you have to get accustomed to with each level, so to speak. Definitely. And you, you hit the nail on the head and obviously a, a, a analogy that you've always loved about bamboo. Right, you've, yeah. you've always, you, I know you've always yeah, loved that one, love so that one. I thought I'd use it again. But what an appropriate time to actually use that, because what you just said is right. You have to have faith that uh, things are going to play out, and you have to have the urgency. Well, that's exactly what that is. It's like finding out that you're doing the right thing, right? So you surround yourself with the right people. You have the proven system edge, so you know you have all the right resources. You do that. It would almost be like someone that goes up to to water every day. And that's all of these things combined, but you have to wait and wait and wait. That's exactly what that is. You wouldn't then go there the next day and go, I'm not sure if I should water that again, because mm-hmm. what if it doesn't, you know, cause you know, you're doing the right thing. So you just have to do it enough for a longer period of time and eventually you'll get what you'll get. And I think just what happens in that period for whether it's six months, year, year and a half, somewhat in there, if again, with all the things that we spoke about, which links to like image, 
if you have a really poor self-image of yourself, you'll forget the fact that, no, I am doing the right thing. I am capable of it. And that default mode of the, yeah, but you're not good enough. You're not going to do this. You've mm -hmm. been doing this for long. You should have been successful right now. That person on social media is successful. All of this poison that comes into your mind that sabotages you, the difference between the unsuccessful and successful is they can just they can drown that out. They can make that go quiet, which is it goes back to the very point that Ibi was just talking about right towards the end. Just focus on a few select people. Just make sure you've got some good people around you and just give it time. If you're doing the right thing, it will play out for you. Just maybe not on the exact time frame that you set. But everybody, thank you so much, guys and girls in the chat for jumping in to this episode of Inside the Mind. Absolutely loved it to kind of recap Q1 as well. So again, Ibi, Abdu, thank you for jumping on and dropping such important things. I'm sure they're going to listen to it many times over because if you just relive this conversation that we've had, th this comes from so much pain and frustration of experience of going through. We, we say these things because we care. We say these things because we really want you to do well, not fall into that statistic. And you don't have to be. If you actually just get your mind right, you have the ability to do it. So I wish yeah. everybody all the success for Q2 as well. I'm sure we're going to be jumping on uh, some lives throughout that as well. But time to recalibrate and make things happen because Q2 is going to be phenomenal. Definitely. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy have the rest of your, your week. Have a great night and let's have a successful week ahead.